You know who I'm concerned about? Not just Tom, but I'm also concerned about Mr. Cunningham. We'll jump straight to that topic right now because I have some real concern going on down there at University of Cincinnati. And it's not because I'm a fan. It's because, as I said before, I'm not going to sit here and act like a phony and like I'm big and fired up about the hire, this, that, and the other. But I do care about the state of the program of University of Cincinnati Athletics. The basketball program and the football program, if they're doing well, Chatterbox Sports is going to do well. For that, I hope they do well. That being said, I was handed today a list of the names that we're going after at the University of Cincinnati football program. Now, let me read them to you, folks. Tom, have a great weekend. See you, Tom. See you, Tom. Have a good weekend. We have Sean Lewis from Kent State. Oh, God. Keep it going, Tom. Alex, don't even know how to say his last name, Gullish, with that fraud offense down there at Tennessee. He's the offensive coordinator. Ready? Here's a couple guys that you have heard. Kerry Combs. Can't talk bad, can't talk bad about Kerry, but it is what it is. Internal hire. Gino Gadouli. No offense to Gino. Great quarterback. He's been the offensive coordinator for one year at Cincinnati. Was the quarterback coach two years ago. Jim Leonard, who I do like. We'll talk about him in a second. Jason Candle from Toledo. And then basically, listen, it's, you might as well do this. It's, it's Alex Golish, a couple internal hires, Jim Leonard, and the entire MAC head coaches. Except for the best one. Except for the best one. Exactly. So, like, what are we doing? In fact, I would say this. If you're a University of Cincinnati football fan or basketball fan or a fan of John Cunningham, I would be mightily concerned for this reason. If, if you're going to not go out and hire a Deion Sanders, you know what Deion Sanders and or a guy like Brian Hartline would do for John Cunningham? It would buy him forgiveness. It would buy him time. You are not going to get forgiveness. You are not going to be given time if you go out and hire somebody that's not a splash hire. Now, those things can work out. I get it. Oh, Trace, what about the fact when they hired Brian Kelly? He came from a Mac school. What about the time when they hired Luke Fickle? He wasn't a big name when he came in. Sure, those things can work out. I'm not suggesting they can't. But what it does do is it tightens the screws down. You know when the GPS tells you to go a certain way when you're on a family road trip? And you decide to tell your wife... Or perhaps you decide to tell the car that you're, that you're full of that you know a better way. <laughs> if you go that other way, folks, and there's some hiccup on the road or there's something that happens, you are not given any forgiveness for the decision you made. If you just say, hey, this is what the GPS said, nobody in the car can get upset. So, hey, I got to give it to Mr. Cunningham. If he's going to stick his neck out there and he's going to say... Hey, this is the guy I believe in. He just so happens to be coaching at Toledo with a losing record. Or this is the guy that I believe in. He just so happens to be coaching at Buffalo, who haven't won anything. Go ahead. Be my guest. But I will say this. Everyone was going to start digging up the resumes of Mr. Cunningham. They're going to start trying to figure out what he's done. And they're going to quickly realize that he didn't hire Luke Fickle. And I might be taking this a step too far, and maybe I am. Maybe this is crossing the line. But I'll tell you who else is in danger a little bit if they hire a Mac guy. And that's Wes Miller. Ah, uh, good call. You might be saying, Trace, what are you talking about? I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about. When John Cunningham comes under scrutiny, 
They're going to look directly at his hires, and he's only hired one guy. Don't mistake the fact that, that, that Luke Fickle was not his guy. In fact, I got another question. Maybe this is fair, maybe it's not. Is Mr. Cunningham Ryan Day? Oh. Is he? Good call. Is there a chance that he just got put into an athletic program that was built by the, on the backs of others? Was rolling? And then all of a sudden it was time for him to do his job? You can't swing and miss. You can't swing and miss. And I'm not saying that John Cunningham isn't doing an excellent job. I don't know him from Adam. But what I am saying is if he sets himself up, he's setting himself up for a very, very, very difficult conversation with a lot of University of Cincinnati athletic fans and boosters if he misses on this next hire. And I don't think he can miss if you hire a guy like Dion. I don't think you can miss if you hire a guy like Brian Hartline. And to be fair, maybe Hartline doesn't want it. I'll tell you who I know wants it, and that's Deion Sanders. There is no way in the world, there is no way in the world that Dion acts and behaves the way that he's been acting and behaving the last two weeks if he doesn't want this job. And I'll tell you a couple of the tea leaves that I feel like I'm reading. Maybe I'm looking too far into this. But you tell me, if you wanted something, would you repost something on your own Instagram with a guy wearing a UC Bearcat right behind the bench with your name on it, your shirt on it? Would you do that? Would you come out and say that Colorado offered you the job if that was your number one choice? If you wanted to go to Colorado, would you come out and say they offered you the job? And he also said they're not the only ones. He's trying to manipulate or cause there to be the speculative speculative idea that he sought after and he probably very much is but I have a suspicion that the girl that he wants to date is the only girl that isn't offering him a date and that is the University of Cincinnati could be wrong maybe they hire Deion Sanders this Sunday after he plays in the SWAC, uh, SWAC championship maybe but I have a strong suspicion through the facts of, of way in which Deion's handled this lately that he's not been offered the job, and he wants it. And he has a close personal relationship with a guy named Dana Beers at Barstool, and Dana Beers has done nothing but promote Deion Sanders. You think that's by design? It very much is. We'll see. Ball's in your court at the end of the day, Mr. Cunningham. And I would just say, I wish you the best of luck if you hire a Mac guy. I wish you the best of luck. So here we go. Bucket list Friday. I wanted to get the chat's opinion on a few things here really fast. I want you to provide me some bucket list things, maybe that you've done, maybe that you haven't done, that's relatively realistic in doing. I did this the other day. I know everyone wants to make fun of Trace because he's, he's out here trying to tell people to go to things. I wanted Reed to go to that Titans game the other week because I knew at the end of the day, you just do those things. It makes too much sense to do those things. So I asked you, the chat, is there anything, right, that you've done that you have to recommend. I'll tell you one thing. Paul Fritchner is my is my subject of the day. Okay. Paul loves college basketball, if you haven't known. I can tell that Paul loves college basketball through basically opening my eyes and just seeing uh, the daylight. <laughs> I know I'm a fan of Kansas. And again, this sounds biased and blah, 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 blah. I've done... A good amount of what I would call sporting events that I would deem as relatively, you know, bucket list type stuff. I've been to Assembly Hall. 
you know, I've 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 been to I've been to the, the college football national championship last year. I've not been to a Super Bowl, but I've been to you know Major League Baseball playoff games. I've been to a, a, a significant amount of what I would call um, high energy atmospheres. Nothing has ever rivaled, not even close, a regular season game that I went to in Lawrence Fieldhouse, um, or Allen Fieldhouse, excuse me, in Lawrence, Kansas. I'm telling you, you need to find a way to make an excuse to go to a game. It doesn't even need, quite frankly, to be a big game. It just needs to be a game itself. And preferably not during Christmas because, and I know that's difficult for some people because that's maybe the time in which they have some freedom, et cetera, et cetera. You just need to go when you make sure the students are in town, right? Make sure the students are there because that's a big part of this whole thing. So at the end of the day, I, I want to offer one piece of advice. If you can find a way to go to Allen Fieldhouse, you have to go. Now, Paul, in the middle of the show right now, and maybe the chat can help, I want to know how much it costs to do that. What's your guess, Paul? Just to go to a game? Yeah, we'd have to, we'd have to get in a car. We'd have to drive out there. We'd have to stay in a hotel. Oh. We had to come back. Tickets included. Tickets included, the whole nine yards. So I want you to think about that. We'll get back to that in a second. I'm going to okay. go down to the NFC is better. But I want you to give me how much that costs. Okay. Do you Fair? want me to actually figure it out, or do you want me to just guess? Yeah, well, I mean, I think if you I mean, can, I can like, give me a general ballpark can, guess, okay. right? It's going to be, uh, let's see here. What kind of game do you want to go to? Well, just, are we going to like Alcorn State, or are we going no, to No, we got to like, go to a conference. It's got to go to a Big go, 12 We got to go to a Big 12 game. Yeah, Big okay. 12 game. Okay, all right, yep. all right, all right. Give me, give me that number um, before too long, because I'm going to have a, uh, that's going to tie into something here at the very end. Okay? All right, I got you. I'll, right. I'll get it to you in a minute. NFC is better. Now, this one I know. You think, Trace, that can't be the case. The AFC has Mahomes. They have Burrow. They have Allen. They have Tua. They got them all. But I'm going to tell you right now, I think the NFC is better. And I'm going to give you a few points. You tell me what, 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 what you explain to me why. You explain to me why this isn't the case. The last two Super Bowls, if you haven't known, have been won by the NFC. While all these guys, supposedly on the other side that I just said, are the elite guys of the game. Right? But I'm not going to stop there. This year, Philadelphia. They're 10-1. and They have the best record in the NFL. All right? And they're about to beat the Titans like a drum this week. Wait for it. Okay? Let's move on. The Cowboys, right? Well, the Cowboys beat the Bengals. Week whatever it was, two, was it week two? Yeah, With an yeah. insurance sales guy at quarterback, right? Trace, those are just two flukes. No, let's talk about the Vikings. What the Vikings do? Well, the Vikings went into the big, bad Buffalo Bills of the AFC, and they won the other week. 49ers. 49ers beat the Chargers. They're about to smack the Dolphins. That's the next thing. Don't be a square and take the Dolphins, all right? Don't do it. We'll see how that goes when the 49ers are just – Taking the Dolphins to the woodshed. The Giants, Casey, did the Giants stink? Go ahead, give it to me. Yes, they stink. All right, the Giants stink. Turns out they can't beat anybody in the NFC lately. But I'll tell you what they have done. They've beaten the division-leading Ravens. They've also been the, they beat the, the division-leading Titans. Hell, the Bears, the Bears, the lowly Bears who can't win a game. They made Justin Fields look like he's the next thing. Speaking of which, I know it's been a couple weeks since we talked about this. 
Where, where is Justin Fields? He's hurt. He's hurt? Why is he hurt? I wonder why he's hurt. Does it happen to be because he's a running back and he runs around in the not-for-long league? Perhaps that's the case. But the Bears beat the Patriots. Now, they didn't just beat him. They took him to the woodshed. So before we let the national media do what the national media does, and they try to perceive or put out a perception that the AFC is this dominating league and the NFC is what it is and there are not that many good teams in it, blah, 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 blah. Just remember, this is the same national media that told you that the AFC West, right, was going to be the best division in the history of football. How's that working out, boys? Not great. So I'm just saying, if I have to hear any more NFC slander, I'm not here for it. Because at the end of the day, it all comes down to can you win can you win the big game? And the last two times the AFC hasn't done that. Right? Yeah. Wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you what's your thoughts, Casey? You're over there with your head sideways. I mean, I guess if you're going to make a case for the top teams being better than the other top teams in the AFC, I'll give you that. But just factually speaking, there are more teams above 500 in the AFC than there are in the NFC. That's a fact. And if you want to sit here and say, like, all right, well, Tampa Bay is 5-6 and six and they're going to make it in the playoffs – borderline losing record i mean i don't know i mean i i don't disagree with you about the top teams like i really like philadelphia i really like minnesota and dallas and san francisco i even said on air that i was shocked about the san francisco game but i think that's a testament to how good that team is right The other side, the AFC, I've already said Baltimore stinks. I think Tennessee stinks. Those teams are both frauds. There's a lot of teams that stink in the AFC side that, you know. There's only Kansas City, Buffalo, and Bengals that I actually feel like have a legitimate chance of making it to the Super Bowl. Then on the other side, I think it's Eagles, Vikings, Dallas, 49ers. So just with that alone, there's four teams in the NFC, and there's three teams on the AFC side. Give me so. your three AFC teams again. Chiefs, Bills, Bengals. And on the other side, it's the Eagles, Minnesota, Dallas, and 49ers. Okay. So I, I, guess I, I guess I somewhat agree with you, but at the same time, I don't. Because there's more, there's more mid-teams in the AFC. But like you said, what only matters is what teams can win the Super Bowl. And if that's the case, then, yeah, the NFC is better than the AFC. Right? Uh, Based off that logic? I just think that oftentimes we, 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 we just assume that there's certain leagues that are way better than others. And, again, the SEC always gets crowned this in college football. And the narrative sometimes can hold out to be true. But, but oftentimes, in my opinion, it's not as it's not as big of a jump as many make it out to be right the pack the pac 12 this year i would argue is very similar to the sec outside of one team utah went into the pit right or excuse me into the swamp 
and they, they, as you've said many times, they could have won that football game. They one would argue they should have won that football game, right? Yeah. And if it wasn't for Georgia this year, there really isn't anyone in the SEC that I would say they. I can guarantee that they would dominate the pack. So we have this narrative that, quite frankly, is not fair in college football, and we do it also in the NFL as well. I think because of the perception of what a quarterback can be or what a quarterback can do. I love Herbert as much as anybody. I think the Chargers could be good. But I'm going to sit here. I'm not going to sit here and act like the Chargers are better than somebody like, um, I don't know, a Green Bay. And I don't think Green Bay is any good. But I think if Green Bay and the Chargers played 10 times, it'd be pretty close, 5-5. Five and five. But since they have Herbert and since they play in the AFC West and since they play against – Patrick Mahomes two times a year, and there's his national primetime games, we just elevate teams. We assume they're better than they really are. And I think that when you have a Mahomes, when you have an Allen, when you have a Burrow, it creates those marquee games more often, which then allows you or your brain to be perceived that the teams that they're playing against, if it's close, are better than they really are. Wrong on that, maybe? No, no, no I, mean, I, think that, I think that... Are the Chiefs really that good? I'm not trying to say they're not, but, I mean, let's stop acting like they're world beaters. They're not. I don't really feel like there is a world beater this year. And all, all right, we have, we have um, Nick Kirby in the house. I don't know if you know that or not, but we Let's do. go. Here's the thing. Nick Kirby, if you don't know, big Reds guy. Also, relatively optimistic guy. I know a lot of you in the chat don't want to hear that. I know you're like, ah, I hate the Reds. I hate the Castellinis. I hate this, that, and the other, okay? The Reds Fest is this weekend. Okay. We're going to get Kirby to come in here. We're going to take a, we're going to take a short, short break. We're going to get Kirby to come in here. He's well more knowledgeable than I am when it comes to Cincinnati Reds. And he's going to try to enlighten us right around the holidays on why we should be optimistic and why we should be positive about the Cincinnati Reds. That's next. At United Dairy Farmers, we've perfected freshness in our family bakery, where we use only the finest ingredients, like thick, high-quality glazes on our signature donuts, before delivering them fresh from bakery to store every day. UDF, made for you. If your AC or furnace is struggling, turn to the experts at Bartels Heating and Cooling. Their certified technicians get the job done right the first time, and if you need a new unit, Bartels will give you upfront pricing with no hidden fees. Plus, Ask about Bartell's 0% interest financing for 60 months. Learn more at BartellsHeatingAndCooling.com. Bartell's Heating and Cooling, for a comfortable way of life. Eli's Sports Bar and Grill, proudly sponsoring high school football with three locations in Mason, Liberty Township, and Ross, Ohio. Our 10-foot screens guarantee a great view from every seat in the house. Eli's Sports Bar and Grill, the best place in Cincinnati for sports, food, and fun. Where can you turn when you're in pain? Turn where more high school, college, and pro athletes turn. Where your neighbors and weekend warriors turn. Turn to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and get superior care on your schedule. That's the Beacon difference. Check out our fresh arrivals at Jake Sweeney Used Cars. Over 250 used vehicles weekly. All makes, all models. From economy to luxury, Jake Sweeney, the original used car superstore. have 
a very pristine and privileged guest of Chatterbox Sports, Nick Kirby. Nick has been on the grind for Cincinnati Reds content for quite some time. Um, for those that think perhaps that obviously uh, you're too optimistic than you are sometimes, what would you say about that? Explain to the f folks how long you've been following the team, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so uh, thanks for having me. Awesome studio. Appreciate uh, you guys. Uh, uh, I've been uh, covering the Reds since, I guess, 2013, writing for Red Lake Nation. Uh, started a podcast with a couple of my friends last year. Um, so I've been following the team for a long time. Uh, uh, I've been a fan, you know, just as long as everyone else and through the ups and downs. Um, I think right now, I think the Reds have such a strong farm system. I think it's probably the strongest it's been since maybe like 2008, 2009, which preceded obviously a really, the only really great Reds run in my lifetime of, of 2010 to 2012. So that in itself really, I think, uh, you know, lends me to be a lot more positive. Uh, I get the frustrations. I, I certainly, I, I've watched it. I've, I've felt it too. But I think what they're doing right now gives the Reds the best chance of not only being good for one or two years, but really sustaining some success like uh, teams like Cleveland and Tampa Bay that have done it with a much smaller payroll in Cincinnati. So when you, when you have guys like, uh, not myself really personally, but you have guys in the chat that'll say, or, or really in Reds fandom, that'll say, we've heard the story before. We've, we've been told that there's rebuilds. We've been told that um, just wait a couple more years and that's going to happen. And that's really been the story or that's been what we've been fed or told since what? 2000 and probably 15, yeah. somewhere in there. We sit in 2022 and now why is it different? Do you really think that they've actually what what's been why hasn't there been a rebuild in that time frame in your opinion and then secondarily to that why is it different now? Well the biggest difference between now and 2015 is I think the Reds traded most of their players at their peak value. They didn't wait. Like the Reds waited way too long to trade Johnny Cueto. They they held on to guys like uh you know Jay Bruce and, and and Billy Hamilton to where they had no value left really by the time they left. Uh, the players that the Reds got back the, for Luis Castillo, uh, that kind of deal was a deal where it hurt Seattle. It really hurt them to make that deal. Now, it might be great for them in the short term, and it might actually end up being a good thing for them overall based on where they are. But I think selling at the right time is the biggest difference to me. And that's when you see teams that are successful with, with lower payrolls, they make these cutthroat moves. Now, it may not be exciting for the fan base. I actually live in Cleveland. Um, sometimes there's a lot of fans up there that are, you know, not as, uh, uh, into the team because of the way they do things, but it works. It wins. Uh, they were a win away from the ALCS this year with a payroll that was, I think about a third of the reds. So that, that's why, where I see it. What's the narrative? What's, what's your pushback or what, what about the thoughts on this? Is I've, 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 I've pushed back on the notion that the Castellinis don't spend any money. The ownership group hasn't really ever tried to win. But I think that there's some merit to win. Um, and again, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't followed the team as closely as you. I don't know if it was uh, Dick Williams, perhaps, or maybe it was maybe it was Nick Craw. I don't know if it was or wasn't. But when they did go and get a Moustakas, they did go get a Castellanos, they did go get a Bauer, right? They went out and tried to win, and COVID hit, which made things ultimately a little weird. They even went out and got the Akiyama, like him or not, but they went out and they got him. 
Is is that fair or not fair? Do you think that the pushback should be should be a little less when it comes to we don't want to spend any money versus they've just not made the right moves? I think every team in baseball could spend more money. So I guess if you want to single out the team that, that you root for, you can. Uh, I, I think that just like everyone could. Um, so I, I don't think spending is the problem. I think that the issue has been not making the right moves, holding on to players too long. I, I always like get myself caught in 2020 because it's so what if. Uh, if that team wins the World Series, we're not sitting here complaining about it, right? I mean, and that team legitimately, I think, had a chance to win the World Series if you have a full season with like that starting rotation that they had. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, like the Mike Moustaka signing, right now it feels like that was very, like, we're rushing to be competitive and, and, and not being patient enough like we should. I think it's a good learning experience. I also don't necessarily feel like it's fair for me to go back and criticize them because I wasn't criticizing them when they signed Mike Moustakis. So that's not fair of me to do. But I think in the future, the Reds should be looking, the Reds should be very, very careful about what players they are extending into their mid to late 30s. Uh, so you're not stuck with another Mike Moustakis because Quite frankly, now Joey Votto is a whole different subject, and he's already earned every penny of his contract. But the Reds have almost fifty million dollars in Mustakas and Votto in 2023, and just think of how much more they could do with that money. So I think that the there's a lot of a learning experience with this with the Reds, where they've got to be very very careful about who they give the money out to. And, and I think that the it seems like the way that they're looking at building the team follows more of that that Tampa Cleveland model but the Reds have a little bit more money to spend so if they do it right it's a big if I think they could do it better so it in your opinion it comes down to just basically making decisions when it comes to personnel matter it's not so much as a, as a, a payroll issue in your opinion yeah I think the biggest issue in the Castellini ownership is that they they've meddled at times was that they didn't want to trade Johnny Cueto before the all-star game uh, that they didn't want to get rid of Billy Hamilton because he was a fan favorite. Uh, so far, knock on wood, it seems like they have stepped away and let Nick Crawl do his thing. Uh, I've never seen the fan base more toxic towards the Reds than on opening day in the following weeks. And they still went and traded Luis Castillo at the deadline. They still went and traded Tyler Malley at the deadline. But they, they signed a guy like Mike Miner uh, a week later. And you got to ask yourself, Nick, like, what's the point of that? Well, that's the big difference between that is that's a one-year deal. That's not a deal that's going to hurt them long-term. It's a deal, yeah, he stunk, but it was just a, a filler deal. That's not going to sink them in the years in, in years ahead. Me personally, I would rather the Reds overpay on short contracts like Mike Miner or whoever else than a four-year deal where the last two years of like a Mike, Mike Moustakis deal hurts you. I'd rather them overpay on the short-term deals, look to extend the younger players, and I think that is a, a model that, that fits the Reds better. But ultimately, they have to draft and develop and all those things, or everything else is really pointless, no matter what they do. The only concern that, that, that maybe myself and others in the chat and also others in Reds fandom would have is this, is if, 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 if Nick Kroll has the keys to the castle, if he genuinely doesn't have anyone standing over his shoulder and saying, you got to do this and this and this because uh, Bob or Phil said so, I do question his thought promise or, or his thought process 
with Mike Miner. Because Mike Miner isn't a guy that's going to put you over any kind of hump, Nick. He doesn't, he's not a guy that's going to make you, for whatever reason, be competitive throughout a full sustainable year. And yes, it's only a one-year deal. And yes, maybe you could say it's only $10 million. But maybe this isn't how the world works. But at the end of the day, I think you could save that money. If you're going to spend $10 million on Mike Miner, let's just save that $10 million and put it in the rainy day fund and go out and get $10 million more somewhere else. Now, you could sit there and you could argue, Trace, you're saying that after Mike Miner did absolutely nothing and was terrible. But I think you could reasonably agree that Mike Miner was never a guy that's like, oh, we just got Randy Johnson. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to go out there we're every back. five days and, and, and get over the hump and be in the playoffs. So it's almost like that's my only fear. Is that I guess I can't kill him for just one deal. But at the end of the day... If he's truly going to go through a rebuild, then he's doing a little meddling with the Mike Miner deal. So, so two points on that. So first, I absolutely agree. I wish they could just save that that $10 million and have Connor Overton, whoever else, take their part in the rotation. But I don't think most major league teams save money for the future. And, and that's a whole other thing. But I, I don't really know of any other teams that, that do that rainy day fund. It's usually a budget. We spend it, and that's it. So if that's... I'm assuming here, I'm assuming that's kind of what Nick crawls under. This is your budget. You spend it or you lose it. So if that's the case, then, okay, so you're just trying to fill out uh, a spot. The other thing to, to consider is I don't think the Reds expected that they were going to get as many, as many innings out of Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green, and Graham Ashcraft as they did. So I, I think that was more of the move for Mike Miner is – you don't want to be – how many times have we seen guys get called up that are absolutely not ready for the big leagues, make starts, and it's just – it's so ugly. A lot in this town. Yeah, but Mike Miner, as, as bad as he was, at least, you know, all right, I'm going to throw him out there. He's going to give me four or five innings. He's not going to not, – he's not going to be like the guy the Reds called up at the end of 2021 uh, uh, that they cut a couple weeks later that couldn't get out of the second inning because he walked six guys. I think that is more of just you, you want a veteran guy to fill that spot that's going to – and everyone hates the term eat the innings, but that's right. kind of what he was. Again, I, I, I understand the pushback. I'm not going to sit here and defend the Mike Miner signing, yeah. but I don't think that is really something that moves the needle much one way or the other towards the future. What's cool and fun with you is that you genuinely – this isn't a shtick. This isn't a – I want to do this because I need to be on the good side of people that can help me down the road. You genuinely are optimistic about the Reds. You think that the Reds are in a better position than they ever have been in the recent recent times that you've been following them. Outside of, yes, in 2012 and, and the year in which they were good, right? But outside of that, you think that they're in the best position. As a follow-up to that, I'll ask you a question and then you can, you can expand upon why you're so optimistic. Does Nick Crawl trade a guy like Scooter Jeanette? Do you think that they are not meddling anymore in that aspect? Because I think that there's only one reason why you wouldn't trade a guy like that. And that's just because you think the fans care. That, that's a tough one. I, Scooter Jeanette, yeah, I mean, the, the other part of that is how much value did Scooter Jeanette ever have? Well, he had to have something when he had the back-to-back -back or one year. Like, we seem to hold on to guys that – we take a flyer on, they do really well, and then it's like, okay, let's, let's just assume this is going to continue to happen because we found something that other people didn't. And it goes back to what Tom said the other day, like the back of the bubblegum bubble card or the back of the baseball card type thing. Like, Zach Cozart was Zach Cozart. 
yeah, he had one good year, but like at the end of the day, he is who he is. Scooter Jeanette is is who he is, right? Like we bring these guys in and we have some fortune where they they hit in a hitter's ballpark. The Reds have never used that to our advantage. We don't ever we never have brought a guy in, let him be very successful in all bar, our ballpark, and then trade him away because we know we have more value than maybe other perceive. To your point, I don't know what the deals they were getting, but I know this. They weren't getting nothing at the end of the when they actually did get rid of him. Yeah, he's he's tough as he got hurt in 2019. So who really knows what the plans? They did do that with Brandon Drury this year, though. Yes. So again, I, hopefully that's a sign. I like Brandon Drury. I think they got their uh, like 14th best prospect back for Brandon Drury. But Brandon Drury is a guy you picked up for literally nothing, and you flipped him. So yes, that's what they should be doing going forward. It's, it's hard to know with Scooter Jeanette. I just don't know how much value he had because I think he was towards the end of his arbitration. He was actually a little bit more expensive than I think people thought when, when he was with the Reds if you kind of look through the contracts. So, again, it, it always takes two to tango. Just because we have a player that we right. go, yeah, other GMs also know that, hey, this guy's probably going to come back down to earth. So that's why, you know, a lot of times you have to trade the players that hurt you. Like, pretty Trading Scooter Jeanette wouldn't have really hurt us long-term, I don't think, at least yeah. the, the reasonable people. Trading Luis Castillo hurts. Trading Tyler Malley hurts. But those are the deals that give you the players that can be the potential superstars and, and that you can build around that aren't going to be costing you a lot of money, and then you can go out and sign some other free agents to kind of fill the gaps. So for, for, for my fandom and for most that are our age that really got into following the Reds in the, in the mid-2000s, the mid if you will, maybe late-2000s, all of the prospects, quite frankly, that were coming up have always mostly been, and I'm talking about the elite prospects, have always been arms for the most part. You know, yeah, Nick Senzel, you could say that he was supposed to be a guy, and you could say that Billy Hamilton was this guy that was supposed to come in and steal first base, and he never figured out how to steal first base. Um, but we, we actually, I feel like maybe at this point, and you correct me if I'm wrong, this is more of a question than, 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 a, than a hot conversation, is like, Ellie De La Cruz, the Mortel guy, um, or Morte. How do you say this kid? Marte. Marte. The Marte that came over in the deal that you're talking about. You keep referencing how it hurt to get rid of Luis Castillo. Are, are we in a better position to finally see some real position players that, quite frankly, are everyday players that could be stars in this league? Or do you feel like we're still in this flux of we don't know what we're going to get and maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. It might be like a Nixon Zell deal where Ellie De La Cruz comes up and he's just not that guy. I think it's going to be maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But the good thing is the Reds have like six of those guys right now. Uh, you could add in uh, Matt McLean. You could add in Edwin Arroyo as well. Uh, prospects aren't always going to pan out. That's why you need to stockpile them, which is what the Reds have been doing the last, you know, I think year plus. So... Uh, Matt McLean's out of UCLA, I believe, yeah. as a first-round pick. Yeah. Uh, there's another guy I really like that, that's farther down is, is Christian Encarnacion Strand. Had about the same offensive numbers at AA as Ellie De La Cruz, but he's more of a first-base DH type, which is why he doesn't get as much publicity in the rankings. But that guy can hit. So the rest, I think I have like six of those guys. If three of those pan out, well, all of a sudden you have a pretty decent lineup of young players, and then you can fill around, and then you still have Tyler Stevenson, Jonathan India. Jonathan India guy, I think, should be moved off of second base sooner rather than later, but that's a whole different... Where's he going to go? Left field or DH or first base. Anywhere but second base. He's been just... 
as bad as it gets. And I'm a positive guy. If I say he's as bad as it gets at second base, he's as bad as it gets. Uh, defensively, uh, defensively using all the fielding metrics. I think the sooner they move him, the better, because you have so many other prospects that are going to be significantly better defensive players. Uh, and, and I think I, I think it's better to move him now than to have a situation where you're moving him for a prospect later. Everyone in the chat and every, everyone in Reds fandom obviously wants to know uh, the, the, the 100% answer to this, and we're never going to know it. When's the year? What, 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 what? You, 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 the, all of these are stockpiled. Yes, I hear you, uh, uh, Nick. It's great. We got six guys that could possibly play shortstop. We got seven guys that could be our second baseman. We got, you know, we do have Hunter Green. We have Deladola. We've seen those guys, and they have produced, right? But it's never a guarantee. You're, you're, you're an arm injury away from somebody always being, and, and I don't think you can think that way or feel that way or, or, or live in that environment of, oh, something's always going to go wrong. But, if push came to shove, the Reds win more than 90 games in this year. What year is that? 90, I mean, I'd probably say like like 2025. I mean, I would say that... that playoffs. Playoffs, I think, are, are there's a realistic chance that the Reds can make the playoffs in 2024. So we're one probably... How bad is it going to be this next year? I could, I, 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 it's so hard to give you an answer. I Is there see, any I hope? The, I could see the Reds winning sixty games. I could see the Reds winning eighty games. What's uh, a great year? What's a, a great year would be getting close to five hundred, which okay. gets you not that far away from the playoffs. With, sure. With, with as many teams that get in as now, um, there's just there's so many unknowns because at some point I think next year you're going to see Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McLean. Christian Encarnacion Strand, Brandon Williamson, several others. How are they going to do right off the bat? Is is Ellie De La Cruz going to take off like Fernando Tatis? Right. I, I have no idea. I mean, every, he certainly looks like it. Yeah, but you you don't know till you get there. So there there's so much up in the air. And then again, in 2024, Reds are going to have a lot of money off the books. Literally over half their payroll is going to be off the books. They're going to have so much money to spend. So hopefully, the best case scenario for the Reds in 2023 is that they know exactly what they need in 2024. So the worst case scenario is you get to the end of the year and you're like, oh, maybe that guy fills that spot. Maybe you want, you want, okay, Taylor Cruz, your shortstop. Yeah, this guy hasn't panned out here. That's what you want is, is to have more definitive and not be up in the air to know exactly what you need. So it's safe to say we do see day. We, we do see Daylock. We do see Daylock Cruz at the big league level. I put the over under at June. I put the over under at June. Okay, so uh, we, we, you think we will see him? I would be shocked if you do not see Ellie. Okay. Barring injury. Matt McLean? I think Matt McLean has a chance to be on the opening day roster. Okay. He's, he, played, he was in college. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's an older guy. What more do you need to see out of him? Right. Ellie De La Cruz is the guy you don't want to screw up when you call him up. You're not really worried as much about Matt McLean. If he, you know, you, you can just throw him out there. And every interview I've heard from, from the Reds guys with uh, McLean has been that they're pushing him. Uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand, the other guy I mentioned, I think he has an outside chance of making the opening day roster. I think he's another guy that, that, that'll be close. Marte, maybe, maybe not. Maybe a September call-up. I got, think he's a little farther. You got away. me a little excited. Here's why I'm excited, because we at least get to see something next year. It's not just like the same old guys we've seen time and time again, and you've heard me joke about this off-air. If I have to see Aristides Aquino play one more game in a Reds uniform, I literally will Wait, be done. And now I know. He's in Japan. He's in Japan. I know he's in Japan, but I'm not ruling it out. 
I'm not ruling it out. I'm just not. One injury to there's, Jake Fraley and he's There's a chance they call that guy. He gets back on a boat, and that dude is here for opening day playing right field for the Reds because he hit 19 home runs in the first month he came up, and he throws guys out from the warning track. Outside of that, I don't know what the guy's worth. Not worth a damn thing. And finally, we figured that out, and he's in Japan, but I'm not too sure about that. It's like always, I'm always looking. He's like the boogeyman. I'm always looking over my shoulder, looking out for Aquino. That's, no disrespect to Aquino. I hope he has a happy holiday. That said, <laughs> At least we get to see some of these guys. So we're going to see Matt McClain more than likely. We're going to see probably Ellie De La Cruz. You hope Stevenson stays healthy, right? If he doesn't stay healthy, then you have this question of what do you do with the whole position situation so we can at least get some clarity on that. Do you think David Bell has anything to prove this year? Do you think that he possibly could be on a hot seat? Should he be on a hot seat? Where do we go from here? David Bell's never got a fair chance. I mean, you can... You can like him or, or dislike him, he's never had a fair chance because he's never really. Well, he, he, he had, he had a decent he had team. Year, yeah, yeah. A 60 game season. Okay. And they still made the playoffs. Like, so I, I don't know. He's they, not a very good. I'll tell they you. Overachieved in 2021. Okay. No. I would say this he's not a very good rally hat guy. He's not a good uh, mojo guy. He can't figure out how to score a run in like 25 innings over there. It's a joke. <laughs> I mean, he's got to move the bats or something, man. I'm a David Bell guy. But that's like, a I, joke, everybody. I support him, but I also don't like feel any like affinity towards him to where he's yeah. 100% the guy. For for him, it's going to be managing all these kids coming up. How does he do that? If he does that well, then yeah, I mean, I think he deserves to stay. Um, I, I think it's more about getting the most out of your players at this point. Uh, the one thing I have always liked about David Bell is that he's always extremely prepared for every game. Uh, whether you like the moves or not, it feels like, for the most part, every move that he made is well thought out. And that, to me, has always been the thing that I've wanted out of a manager, is a manager that is uh, really uh, dissecting every single move that he makes and, and, and weighing all the options and using all the data and all that type of stuff. That's fair. I think the, uh, the, the, the pushback I would have on some of that, and, 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 and we'll see. You, you may, maybe he hasn't gotten a fair chance. I just wonder what analytics he's given to a guy like Ed, Edwin, and, not Edwin Encarnacion, my gosh, I'm going way back. Um, why, why is my, my uh, Eugenio Suarez? But a guy like Eugenio Suarez, man, he needs a break. I mean, the guy, the guy had one hit in the last four weeks. You can't just keep running the guy out there. Those are the things that I just question sometimes because it, it, from an outsider's perspective looking in, he seems like at times he can be a pushover. He seems like at times he doesn't, he doesn't want to have a definitive answer in the, in the press conference on why he did what he did. It's always kind of like, ah, oh, well, we're working really hard to figure it out. And, you know, things are going to – things are I, – I believe in this group. You know, that, like that's what we get out of him. And maybe that's not fair as an outsider perspective, but sometimes I, I'd like to see a manager – take onus on why he's making decisions and not just always like kind of skirt around whatever decision he made. Is that fair or not fair? He's, You've watched he's him long enough. I have watched a lot of David Bell press conferences. He's very careful to, he is extremely careful that he doesn't say anything that's going to upset his players. And you can hate that mindset. I, I'm kind of, I, sometimes I kind of wish he would be a little more fiery in those, but that's his philosophy. The players love David Bell. Uh, have you? Has anyone ever heard a player say a bad word about David? Bell? I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate David Bell either if I had one <laughs> hit in five weeks and I haven't played and I keep playing. 
I think we should start asking the guys that are like at the very low totem pole of the roster that haven't got a chance to hit. We should go ask Akiyama how much he likes David Bell. <laughs> I know that's not fair, but maybe it is. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wishy-washy on David Bell at best. I do think that there's something to be said about the fact that he didn't get a fair chance, but I think that at times you, you create a culture within a clubhouse. You're, you're, you are the leader, and, and I think oftentimes it's, it, it, the concern I have for the Reds more or less is this is that it becomes more or less a me thing. I got to prove myself, and that's all I care about. Tommy Pham says it openly and publicly, and there's nothing that's even said about it. No one even cares that Tommy Pham just standing out there with the press says, I don't give a rat about this, basically this, this season. This is about me proving myself and how I can present myself later in the year to be a trade piece, right? Or be a guy. Like, that is... A, that is a ridiculous statement to make. And then still go out and play every day. Now, maybe it's not fair to have to say, you know what, Tommy, you're going to sit for the next two weeks because I ain't, I'm not, that, that's not how this is going to go. But I'd like to think that that's what it could possibly be. And I think David Bell just is like, oh, you know, well, he didn't mean a whole lot by that. It's not a big deal. Does David Bell actually get a say if Tommy Pham plays or not? That's the next problem then. <laughs> Who does? Who's at the end of the day the real manager? I think a lot more of these moves are made at the front office level than, than we think. Uh, I'm not going to – I don't think – I think David Bell has some flexibility. Like, I don't think it's – Dave. here's your game plan, David. He has a sheet, and he just goes down, okay, next move. You know, Right. I, I don't think it's that intense, but I, I do think that most of that comes from the front office. But you pay a guy $7 million. The real he is a trade piece. You do have to play him. We have a chat question. The, the question is, is and, and, and I want to hear your opinion on this before I give mine. Why do the Reds bring in so many shortstops and try to convert them into other positions? One would argue it hasn't worked. I mean, I think if you play shortstop, you play anywhere else. The problem that the Reds have had is they've had too many like guys that have to play first base or left field. Uh, the Reds have been a terrible defensive team since, uh, I don't know, 2019, I think, was the last team that was pretty good with Jose Iglesias. Um and and some of the other other guys around that. I think A.U. Wars was still a pretty good defensive player at third right. base then. Yep. Uh, but the Reds have been at the absolute bottom of of baseball and defense. And who's the, the, the gold standard in the NL Central? The St. Louis Cardinals. Every year they're right at the top. So I think bringing in so many shortstops is going to help the Reds significantly at least improve that because you have a shortstop playing shortstop, third base, second base, center field maybe. You're going to have a lot of good defensive players. And I think that is... I think that was what cost the Reds in 2021 more than anything else was their defense. And they were they were a couple games away from the playoffs, but they were like 28th in any of the defensive metrics you look at. One would argue their bullpen didn't help. No. I mean, yeah, their bullpen was pretty bad. Yeah, and, they, and 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 that's my point. Like, let's go get let's let's go in the rainy day fund right there, Nick, and pull out that 10 million dollars and go and spend it. Now they did go get it. They got I think it was Sessa at the time, right? Yeah, they were pretty and, and, decent and, and, in the second half. They did a decent job of getting some guys that like were actually pretty good for the money that they got or the the value they got in return on the trade. But the problem was is like MLB is in a situation where like the Reds are in a situation where if you can make the playoffs, I'm not saying you sell the farm to try to get in the playoffs, but we have to realize that there's a very, very, very small likelihood that we're going to enter the playoffs as the one seed or as one of the top seeds in the playoffs. But I don't think we should we should really worry about that as much as like, let's just get in the playoffs and have a chance to win because it's been proven time and time and time again. If you get into the major league baseball playoffs, it's not a complete crapshoot, but let the Dodgers prove 
exactly what the MLB playoffs can be. You can be by and far the best team in the National League and then go lose a three-game series. The Reds won 97 games in 2012 and lost the five-game series. I well, mean, we don't have to talk about that. But, but you know, like, but yeah. the, the problem is, is absolutely 100%. It's not that the Reds haven't won a World Series since 1990. It's that they've only been to the postseason, what, five times since 1990? Yeah. That's the problem. Right. Boomshock Locker says, how long does Stevenson catch? I don't know how long we keep talking this. You guys want to talk Reds. We're going to have Nick on more, I guess. You guys like the Reds talk. Um, we've talked about this offline. I think we have differing opinions on this. We won't get into this too heavily right now. I'm of the mindset that I think Stevenson is a generational type of hitter. I think that he could hit in the major league level for the next 15 years at a high level. I think that he could be very similar to um, maybe not Joey Votto-esque, because I am very high on Joey, but I do think that he could be plus on OPS for the next 10 years when it comes to you know, being in an everyday lineup. Having said that, I know where your opinion is, and I'm going to let you share it. I think he should move because it's proven to me that he can't withstand a full season, and I don't want to lose this guy because he's, you know, I don't, Devin Mezzarocco is. I think that's a slight on Stevenson of saying it. But if you get hurt all the time, you never know when you come back if you're still the same player. Like, we don't know. We can say what we want. We don't know if Stevenson is going to be the same guy he was before he got hurt the last time. And at some point, every time he gets hurt, that answer might be different. And I'd rather just eliminate that. And maybe when you go to first base or maybe if you're a DH, it's not 100%. Uh, it doesn't mean, like, you can't get hurt. Joey Votto's been hurt before. He plays first base. But you certainly eliminate some risk. So that's my opinion. Nick has a different one, which is good. Your opinion is what? I think Tyler Stevenson is an elite hitting catcher and about an average hitting first baseman. Uh, I, I don't think he has enough power to warrant moving him off of, of, of catcher and risking that incredible upside you have. Tyler Stevenson could be the best hitting catcher or the top three hitting catchers in baseball. Uh, first baseman hit a lot better than league average. It's the easiest position to play defensively. So if you go look at the free agent contracts of, of players who've signed at first base, you look at their numbers, you look at Tyler Stevenson's numbers, well, the guy's only making $5 million to play first base, and his offensive numbers actually are pretty close to Tyler Stevenson. I think, I think that's a good risk. It's a risk. I think it's a good risk for the Reds to try to keep his catcher. And I also think it's going gonna, it's gonna to tick off Tyler Stevenson if you move him from catcher. He, if you've heard some of the interviews he's done this weekend, he wants to be a catcher. The guy caught 300-and-something games, I think, in the minor leagues as a catcher. Moving him now is going to really tick off your best player, best offensive player, I think. Well, he's been the best offensive player, yeah. Uh, you're going to take him off. You're going to cost him a lot of money in arbitration and free agent contract if he's not a catcher, so he's not going to like that. I think you need to ride it out at least one more year. And, and again, this is assuming that the doctors are saying he's clear to catch. It's not going to hurt him long term. If they're saying that, that it, it's in a really bad interest for his health and his well-being, then absolutely you need to move him. I'm on the assumption because everything I've heard is that it's not – that's not the case. If that's the case, it's a totally different conversation. You, you make a strong argument. You make a very good argument only from the stat, only from this standpoint. If you want to have Tyler Stevenson here long term, more than likely he's got to like it here. He's not going to sign a free agent contract, or he's not going to sign a contract extension if he doesn't want to be here, especially if he doesn't want to play first base. Um, so if that's the sentiments, and you know better than most, if not all, 
you think Tyler Stevenson wants to catch. He's made it known that he wants to catch. And if he does want to catch, then I'm not going to be the guy that tells him he can't catch. I will say this. If something else happens, then there needs to be a, have, there needs to be a conversation with Tyler. And maybe at some point you realize, yeah, maybe mom and dad were right type thing. Now, I'm not trying to compare the two. But Tyler Stevenson at least gets the benefit of the doubt currently to let him try again if he wants to. I am very concerned for him, though. I just... I'm more concerned not because of uh, his health, which is probably what I should be more concerned about. I'm more concerned about that I like him that much as a hitter. I don't want to lose him. Like, I, I watch him hit, and it's immediately, this guy's a professional hitter. He, he, it's not even just that his stats are his stats. When you watch the games, and this is the stuff where I'm not saying you need to be a huge baseball guy maybe to see it, but I, I, I like to think that I am. He just grinds out at bats. He, he is a... He, he reminds me of a Scott Rowland type of player where it's not an easy out. You know, you're not going to see him go up there flail at the first pitch and it's just a pop out and that's the end of the at bat. He's done it time and time again. And in fact, every time he's been in clutch situations, has runners in scoring positions with the game on the line, I don't know if the stats will back me up or not. And maybe this is just my perception and my, my feelings. He has done an unbelievable job of coming through in the clutch when it matters the most. And you don't find that every day. So I just hate to lose that for some idiot to run through him and bust his head up again at home plate. Yeah, no, he. the moment he stepped on the field in 2020 and he got a few at-bats at the end of that year, you could just tell there was something different about him as a hitter. Uh, absolutely. I'm not a big clutch guy. I think we overrate clutch situations, but he has proven that he can hit in those situations. And like you said, the great point, every at-bat that he goes up there is a quality at bat. He is he is grinding out the at bats. Um, I like to see him maybe walk a little bit more. Uh, I think he could improve upon that. But he is uh, he he is he, he's a tough out. He, he's a guy that's got to be annoying as a pitcher to face because you know I, I'm not gonna be able to throw three breaking balls and get him out. I'm gonna really have to work to to get Tyler Stevenson out. Are you allowed to go to lunch? What's your schedule like? You're going. Uh, you're I'm I'm clear for lunch. I'm I'm not going to Reds Fest today. I'm only doing one day tomorrow. So, yeah, I'm clear for lunch. For a guy going to Reds Fest, we'll end it at this, and we're going to do the wheel of lunch next. What are you looking forward to the most at Reds Fest, which is something I think a lot of people are down about? As a PR, put your PR hat on. Not to, sit, not to speak for the Reds, but why go down there? I mean, I drove like five hours to come down. Well, so. you're a different kind of guy. Um, first of all, you got to realize – the, the, let's be honest. Nick is incredibly dedicated to this franchise. He has been on the beat or whatever you want to call it on the grind, watching the moves they've made when they've been absolutely horrific, terrible. So if nothing else, outside of my fandom, I hope one day you get to, you get to live in the glory of, of the work that you've put into this. I think that's going to happen. But I'll also say you're optimistic and a positive guy. Why are you going down to Reds Fest? Well, I'm taking my, my kids. Uh, I want my kids to get a picture with Ellie De La Cruz. That's my entire goal while I'm down there. Okay. Because uh, that could age very, very well and, and be a cool moment for them. So that, that to me, is kind of, like, I think, the most exciting thing I'm looking forward to. I've heard there's some uh, – I'm excited to get to be there, and, and I'm excited to get to meet a lot of people. Uh, Twitter can be a dumpster fire, but I've met so many of, like, my best friends, like guys like Paul – uh, through through Twitter, um, and so you don't a, want to hang out with Paul. This is, a, this is Nick and I have known each other for years, and this is the first time we've ever met in person. 
Really? Yeah. We've gone. We've been at Xavier games. We've just never crossed paths. We've talked. We've texted for years. We've tweeted for years. I've never met him in person until right now. So I'm, I'm excited to get to we've see a lot of people. Together. Yeah. We've, we've Twitter spaces. Yeah. Spaces. Twitter spaces for years. Everything. Never met him in person until right now. Dude, this is like Match.com. I know. Box Sports. <laughs> I know. See, I'm, I'm excited to get to see a lot of people that I haven't, I haven't got to meet in person that, uh, yeah, kind of just become friends with uh, about uh, just other people who follow the Reds as silly as I do. So I'm excited about that and excited, you know, for my kids to, to, to get to experience some of that. And, uh, yeah. Maybe I go down there, take my kids down there. <laughs> it is fun. I used to love Reds Fest. I'm a Reds homer through and through. If the the truth is is that it's Georgia football and the Reds and it's just right there. The hard part is is that when somebody breaks your heart all the time and you keep taking this girl to the dance and at the end of the dance every single time they leave you for somebody else, it's hard to keep picking that girl up and taking her to the dance. And um but I'm a sucker. I'm like the guy that just keeps on coming back and pick her up again and we'll watch Matt McLean and Ellie De La Cruz and maybe the 75 win Reds next year, maybe 80. What? I know I keep doing this. Wheel of lunch is hundred percent after this question. The Reds over and under is this. And I take the over hundred percent. If I see the Reds over under at this number, I guarantee you, well, guarantee is a strong word. I feel really good about the Reds winning more than that number. That number is what? What they went sixty-two last year. Uh, I'm gonna say if it's if there's a six in the first digit, take the over. Okay. If if there's a so six. you're saying sixty-nine, one hundred percent, take the owner. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Heard it here from Nick first. <laughs> All right, Nick. We got something special today. We got a wheel. We usually do the wheel oh, lunch. I know. That are we not getting a raise? Time time. Are we not getting a raise? Yes, we are. I'm glad you brought that up. All right. Okay. And just so we're on the same page, because I'm assuming I know where you're going with this. This is not a shtick. This is not a shtick. No. Okay. Wow. I want to know, though, Paul. All right. How much was it to go out to the uh, Allen Fieldhouse? Uh, gas was about $200. Okay. Round trip. So you split that. Okay. Ticket was about $200 a piece. Maybe 150, depending on the game. I I did Oklahoma, about 150 dollars to sit up in the in the top. Okay. If you wanted a better game, it was maybe it was closer to 200. Let's call it, call it 160. Okay. So you're looking at a hotel then, maybe. How many people work at Chatterbox? One, two, three, seven, four, five, six, seven. Dixon, seven. Okay, seven. That that's 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 uh, how many hotels? How many hotel rooms is that? Two, four, six. Three. That's three. That's three. Three. Four. Four. Four comfortable hotel rooms. Four. Four. All right. So it's four rooms. Yeah. Okay. You got to do this math live on air. We I'm doing it. I need. I need it fast. Too. Okay. Yeah. So call it. Uh, hotel rooms. A hundred and. Well, average two nights of a hotel room is hundred and eighty dollars because it'll be cheaper to do a hotel room going out. You, that's got to be a. Yeah. Say it's come on. Say, you, make the say you spend say you spend four hundred dollars. Uh, let's see. Okay, so four. You need four hotel rooms. So sixteen hundred. Sixteen hundred dollars on hotel rooms. <laughs> like I said, seven rooms. I can't do that. Sixteen hundred dollars on hotel rooms. Okay, you're six, looking at about a 
20, a little less than $2,500. $2,500 divided yeah. by how many, how many, uh, people do we have? Seven. Seven. Okay. What's that number? $357. Okay, here we go. Ready? <laughs> All right. So we got, let's, let's comfortably say 400. Let's comfortably say 400 because, yeah, got to eat somewhere in there. I need to know. I need to know by lunch okay. if you're opting in to this uh, deal or if you're opting out. Okay. Because there's a chance to lose, theoretically, your own money. Okay. Not really, but, you know. Okay. $350, is that the number? We'll call 400 Call 400 $400. This is going to get expensive. This might put us under jet. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go to Indiana. Somebody's got to go to Indiana. Casey's going to be there tonight. Okay. Might have to go to the bank and give Casey the money to do this. Uh-oh. What was the number again? $400. $400. So, if you're willing to put up $300, I'm going to give you $100 off. If you're willing to put up $300, we're going to bet $300. Okay, you ready for it? All right. On. LSU. Nope. No, I know where this is going. I'm trying to, I have to are hit you, this. Are you doing okay. TCU or are you doing USC? Yep. Who's, who's USC playing again? Utah. <laughs> We're going to do $300 on Utah. Money line? Money line. Because I'm going to put this together right now. All right. So $300 on Utah. What? $300 on Utah. Yeah. This is going to be a parlay. No, oh, he's doing a parlay. Okay. I mean, I'm assuming. I feel like that's all I need. That, that makes up our number. I mean, that's $300 plus, one, win that's plus 125. So that's $300 winners. Uh, three seventy-five. Yeah, that's all. That's it. Three hundred dollar, a three hundred dollar money line bet on Utah tonight against USC. Correct. If that happens, listen. No, we're not. It's not on USC. It's on Utah. Don't get us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't Utah. get us confused. You're right. Paul. No, you're right. Against USC. If Utah hits, listen. If Utah hits, those winnings. Are you hearing me? I'm hearing. Those winnings pay for our trip. Mm. If it doesn't hit. And we lose $300, I will take you all on that trip. You can opt in or opt out. It's a simple thing. Can you either can. That's not the deal. <laughs> <laughs> He's opted out. You heard it here first. There's so, one opt hang out. On. Let, me, let me get this straight. So it's plus 125. So we put the 300 down, we get 375. <laughs> Does Dixon's asking if it includes food and beer? Wait, if it includes Coors Light, I might be back. No. No, you no, guys no. got to so, buy your own food, man. I ain't paying for the. So we would get $675. Nixon, Nick's allowed to come to it. Yes, that would be. Our payout would be 675 Okay. You would win 375 Oof. I don't know. I was only going to spend $200 at the casino tonight. 
Here's uh, my, here's I, my. No, 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 no. Let me make this. Let me make this clear. Let me make this clear. Because some of you, I, listen, I'm not trying to put you in a bad spot financially or anything like that. I'm being genuinely serious when I say that. You would pay for your trip when we go. I'll cover. I'll cover the cost of the bet on the front end. I'll cover. I'll cover the $300 bet that, that's basically your portion of it at the casino tonight. So you're not spending any money tonight. You just have to plan accordingly. Because don't be telling me you don't have no money. Come. When's this trip, Paul? Uh. February? January, February, yeah. Okay. Mid-January. Mid-January, probably. It's up to you, boys. You're either in or you're out. Well, hang on a second, because if one of us go, can we make... Are we ever going to get the lunch? Because if I put all the, mo all of the money that you're finishing. giving me down, right? So that's what... It was, what, $2,500 or something like that, give or take? Or $2,800, whatever... What's that? So you're okay. gonna give one of us twenty eight hundred dollars to go down to the casino and no. make a one bet? Pretty on much. That? So that wouldn't well, cover right? Yeah. Or am I, uh, well whatever people wrong, opt in. Or? If I only gotta take two people, then the bet's less. That's true. It, 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 I, I just need to know if by lunch if we're in or out. That's the deal. It's that's the deal. I'm betting on the fact listen, this is a simple thing. I'm betting on the fact that Utah is gonna smash USC tonight, which is hundred percent gonna happen. And then it forces you guys to go on this trip because that was the bet. Okay. And you get to experience a bucket list thing. <laughs> this is this is this is like this is an unbelievable. I mean, what a great boss. So or I'm, you can opt out. So and I'm be like Seho and be sitting here while his whole entire company's out in Lawrence, Kansas, is having a hell of a time, which is fine too. But to Seho's point, and I understand, don't want to do it. Maybe he wants to wait for you see. Maybe he doesn't want to spend $300 to go to Lawrence. Okay, so to be perfectly honest, I just I just did the math because I was about to opt in. I can't do it. I don't have a single Saturday free until April. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I can't. I would love to because I was just about to opt in, and I'm not just saying that. But I can't. I can't do it. I, I don't have a single – I can't go to a game. The only Saturday I have – Sick days? The only, have, the only Saturday I have free – no, I got the two Saturdays I have free. I have a women's game, and then Can't the call one, it remotely? the one, yeah, the one Saturday I have all the way off is uh, Kansas out of town. They're at Oklahoma. Now, if you want to go to Norman, no, we're not doing. We that. We ain't doing that. What? What? Uh, if if it's not a Saturday, I I no, I just pulled up Kansas, Kansas schedule. I can't get there this year. I can't get to to Norman this year. Or to, they don't have any big Mondays. Oh, Big Monday? Good question. Uh, they have... Oh, shit. Well, I'm not allowed to cuss. <laughs> trying to limit that. They, uh... You know? Ha-ha! <laughs> I got you. Here's, here's, I can tell that the wheels are turning a little too here, much for you not to have a good answer. Here's one. But this would raise the cost. Big Monday? Yeah. Texas. February 6th. Well, we'd have to buy it now. Well, we'll have plenty of money when USC gets their tails smacked tonight. Listen, it's a simple thing. If you're in or you're out, we'll, we'll, we'll call it that. Someone in the chat for Nick. Nick. Nick's going to get offered this opportunity, too. <laughs> He's had to sit through this pain. Okay, put the wheel lunch up there. The chat gets it. I'll tell you what, chat. Here's the deal. Do me a favor right now. I'm not even joking when I say this. We're not going to go through all 11 rounds. No, 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 no. Uh, we might. We might. Depends on when, Depends the, on when the wheel. no lunch. Chat, or you see the wheel of lunch. 
You got, you got like probably two minutes to figure this out, chat. You put in there if you're willing to lose. And it's not even losing. You're willing to spend 300 and we'll call it. It's going to be more than that. We'll, we're going to call it 450 at this point because the Texas game is a whole new deal. That's like that, that might be for the Big 12 championship. $450 of your own money to go on this trip. Tickets to that are only 70 bucks. Okay, well, when is it? When's the date? It's a Monday, February 6th. Okay, that's it. That's the one we're doing. That would have to be it. Okay, that's the one we're doing. February 6th. You're either you're in or you're out. I better see in or not. Nothing. If you're out, don't even worry about putting it in the chat. Oh, all right. We're going to Genus. There it is. Sick. Okay, we won. All right. All right. Nick, you get to go to Genus, which is it's a good spot. Get, let's give the chat like I'm not I'm not giving much longer because every one that pops in is another is another chance for me to lose money. <laughs> Man, chat is dead too. Are the is the chat? Chat gone? chat's been grinding with us for three hours. Dude, they have. I feel like I feel like I feel like nobody 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 wants to. I'd love to. I'm gonna have to reevaluate this one. So just to clarify, we would Here be we going go. Mr. Clarification. Monday. So we're we're probably like leaving Sunday night or something like that. Sunday. Sunday? Yeah, we're not leaving Sunday night. I'm not driving through the night. Isn't that Super Bowl? Oh wait, yeah, that is. <laughs> well then No, then no, no, that's the bye week. No, that's, that's the, the bye week. week. That's the bye week? week? Yeah. So That's the Pro Bowl or whatever uh, it is. That's a perfect time. Yeah, what, what about <laughs> I got shows? people. All right, Jordan. Jordan said he'd do it. Checking my son's hockey schedule. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait for us to go down there and drop a $3,000 money line bet on USC, or excuse me, Utah. Do not get that mixed up. All right, let's go to lunch. Talk this over. All right, I got, I got, I got. I'll tell you what. If 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 you want to do it, you're gonna to have to tweet. You're gonna to have to tweet Chatterbox Sports, or me, whatever. Tweet one of us, and you can't be doing it after the game. You got the deadline is. You gotta show receipts. The dead no. The deadline has to be by two o'clock. We get we need to know your answer. We're going to lunch. Thank you for watching the box lunch, Nick Kirby. Hopefully we can do some more stuff with Nick soon. We'll, we'll, we'll figure some of that stuff out. But nonetheless, we appreciate you. Enjoy your weekend. Go Utes, baby.